Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. All right, let's go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. Amen. You may be seated. I heard one preacher say, if you're not prayed up before you get in the pulpit, there ain't no bother trying to start doing it then. And I want to get right into it today. I'm, I'm very uh, encouraged and moved by the revival uh, that many are calling a revival at Asbury. How many of you heard of Asbury College, a small university, small college, I should say, in Kentucky? It started, uh, it would be two weeks this Wednesday, I, I believe. They had a, a chapel and repentance began to break out, and people began to cry out to God. Now, uh, people are flying in from all over to be a part of what's taking place at Asbury. But not just that, if you look, and I've reposted some of the uh, news, not that we believe them all the time, but occasionally you see an article that's decent, a couple news articles written by solid believers in Fox News, I reposted on Facebook, and you see outbreaks uh, taking place to one degree or another, in different universities. And uh, Lee University has a bit of a move of the Spirit of God now, too. And uh, different schools uh, across America. If we ever needed a revival, we need one now. So what I thought I would do uh, as I was just praying and considering revival and defining that, thinking about that, and I, I thought I would go and look at a very conservative uh, viewpoint. It was a podcast uh, taking a look at went and did investigative reporting at the university there, at the school, at Asbury. And a conservative, non-spirit-filled organization defined it as very possibly a real revival. So you know when God's saving people, healing people, and they're coming to Christ, when that's taking place, that really is revival. But the thing that concerned me there's a number of concerns I have. One, people that have feel like they've been in revival for years are like, come on, we seriously, oh, now you, there, there's, a, there's a skeptic from those who've been in revival for years, and, and then there's naysayers and everything in between. And as I was praying about it, I'm thrilled. I couldn't be more excited that university students are coming to the Lord. And I had planned this series long before Asbury and what's taken place there. Because if you don't understand uh, the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, you will have no foundation to base the rest of your doctrine on. What are you talking about? I think this is actually the third time I've taken a look at it in 17 years of being your pastor here. I think this is the third time of looking at Genesis chapter 1 through 11 but if you don't understand Genesis chapter 1 through 11, you will have nothing to be able to really be a bedrock for your, your doctrine. I heard somebody say, well, I don't preach doctrine. We just said, well, you're a fool. Because real revival, this was a concern I had. 
uh, they say there's no name, there's no face, there's no preacher, there, there's, no, there's no mainline worship team, there's, there's no famous people that are there. It's just a real revival. And here's the thing. I'm glad. I'm a no-name. Anybody else a no-name person? I mean, we're all, come on, we're all nameless, faceless. But there must be teaching and preaching from the Word. And, and I understand that that's taking place. See, if you just get touched by the Spirit, but you don't have the bedrock to build your life on, you will blow up. I, I love what uh, Bishop Bill Hammond said this. If all you do is have the Spirit, you're going to blow up. Raise your hand if you knew some people that blew up. There are four or five of you. All right, stick around. You'll see it again. How about some people that dried up? If you, just, if you just study the Word and just know the Word, but you don't have the Spirit, you will dry up. How many of you know some people who, the, the frozen chosen, there's another six or seven people. You need both. You need both the Spirit and the Word to grow up. And in actual fact, you see the Spirit and the Word at work here in this text. I grew up in the, on the end of Long Island, New York, and um, in the Hamptons for a good portion of my childhood. While I was there, we had a number of hurricanes that came through. There was a, a stretch of land called Napig Stretch. And when, when these storms would come, the bay or the, the, the Long Island Sound and the ocean would connect. If I think if I got that right, it's either the bay or I forget, but the ocean, they would touch. And Montauk, the end of Long Island, New York, would become an island of itself. Well, all the locals, the people that grew up there, people that lived there for generations, you don't build there. That is a stupid place to build. Although it's awesome as long as there's no storms. But there's gonna come a storm. I'm gonna say that. There's gonna come a storm. There is. And so you have these city slickers move out from Manhattan and they would build these houses on the the. On the, on the dunes, right on the dunes. And you've seen it. I, I'll never forget. I think I was probably 12 years old, maybe 11, 12 years old. And I remember seeing a house, beautiful house, floating on its roof in the Atlantic Ocean. And I, I remember looking at it going, I'm never going to forget that. As this, I'm talking a 3,000 square foot house in portion floating on its roof in the ocean. What happened? built on the sand. And I've seen many a Christian, I've seen many a believer end up just like that house, upside down. Their house is destroyed. Their marriage destroyed. Their kids are destroyed. If you don't build right, listen, even when you do build right, you're going to have storms. You're going to have to stand. Jesus said it this way in John 7, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall. It what? Did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And I've known many people. Pick on other people. I'll just pick on me. There's certain times in my life where I, I didn't have I wasn't, you know, partially on the rock, partially on the sand. I tell you what happens. The sand erodes, and whatever you built on that's going to fall apart. You can be deeply disappointed, and you're going to have to rebuild that part of your life. Who the sun sets free is free and... Let me, let me try that again. Who the sun sets free is free. You will know the truth, and the truth will... 
Okay, so you are not free in the area that you don't know the truth. While it does exist, if you don't internalize it and make it yours and build your life on the truth, his word is truth. And you build your life on the truth, then you've built on the sand. Well, I, that's not what I believe. Well, that's because you're building on the sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Come on, somebody say, Lord, help me to build on the rock. All right. So it's very concerning as a pastor, and I do believe we're in a measure of revival. I do believe that. I've had people tell us that. I'm mean, It's 8 o'clock in the morning. There's a few hundred people here. Lots of room for you to invite your friends. I do believe we're having an outpouring of the Spirit. But you can't have a, a real revival. Really, what I'm contending for is a reformation. And you're so bombarded, as I'm talking in an introduction prior to the text here. We're so bombarded by media, so bombarded by TV, print, Instagram, Snapchat, so bombarded by information. And many people don't have a firm foundation. Let me read to you this quote that I got from Ken Ham, who is uh, the guy who started the Creation Science Museum. You ever heard of that? And he's, he's, uh, he's a great man of God. He says this, that many have one hermeneutic for Genesis chapter 1 through 11, where they take man's ideas to interpret Genesis, but the rest of the Bible, they do their best to take God's written word. He goes on to say that it's been a major contributing factor as to why so much of the church is lukewarm and why so many younger generations have left the church and become secularized. And the devil knows, he says, the history of Genesis 1 through 11 is foundation to all doctrine, the entire rest of the Bible, to the Christian worldview, in fact, everything, he says. Are you serious? That's a little intense. That's a little extra, Pastor. Well, it might be extra. It's also true. So you have theories like the gap theory. You can talk about it. It's not true. You have all these theories that are thrown out to try to reason why Scripture, you know, that, it, that it's saying something different to, so they can match science. How many of you know science is constantly changing? Yeah, they used to say that butter is bad for you. Now, now some of you put 12 tablespoons in a cup of coffee and you drink it. You say, oh no, it's margarine only. Yeah, no, margarine was used for a turkey fattener. Back in like World War II, margarine will kill you. Eggs are bad. That's what they said. Now they say it's like the perfect meal if you can find an egg. In the first 11 chapters of Genesis is what we're going to look at in this series. And in all honesty, many a church leader has accepted varying degrees of Darwinism, evolution. Many, many church leaders have even preached it, taught it. So you have a whole group of people. Now, I'm, I'm talking about like 
most churches refuse to dig into. Now, we're not going to go too deep because you'd be like, oh my gosh, that really hurt. What was he saying? I, I, want, I want to bring it to the right depth by the grace of God. Maybe we should pray again. And then, and then empower you to go home with something that, that changes your life. I mean, I want you to learn God's word. I want, you to, I want you to find the deep end of the pool today, but I want you to also bring it home. And if you were said, the way we try to preach and teach here is that if you're not saved, you're gonna get saved. If you got saved last week, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna learn something. If you've been saved for 30, 40, and 50 years, you're gonna still get something and go home and be like, man, I got something. Come on, raise your hands to heaven. Oh God, help us right now. Help us take something home that changes us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we do have some notes, and I do believe you have those. There will be uh, screens in front of you to help you fill in the blanks. Let's look at the text. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. If there's a beginning, know for sure there's an end. That's a good thing to note. That's a good take home. That motivates me. It motivates me to know there's an end. I'm glad that there's a finish line. Paul said, I've run the race. I've, I've finished my race. There's a beginning. There's an end. The universe is not eternal. and that, That's a shocker to, to many people. The concept of the cosmos being eternal is not a Christian understanding. It's not, a, it's not a Hebrew understanding. The Hebrews understood time, understand time, I should say, as linear. So there's an end and there's a beginning. And at any moment in that timeline, God can break in. And history repeats itself, we know from Ecclesiastes. But the universe is not eternal. That's, that's nonsense. And the understanding of time. Time. Time started right here. So, well, how did time start there? Well, God is outside of time. God is eternal. Your spirit's eternal. The universe is not eternal. This building is not eternal, although we built it pretty much to be on the rock. It's built on the rock. 86 footings under the ground. Built to take a 9.0. May we never have one. And everyone said, amen. amen. But it is built that way. There will be one day that everything, all the elements will melt. There will be a time when time is done. You don't ever want to forget that. But Eastern mystics see time as circular. And I hear Christians talking about this. I hear Christians say, well, you know, maybe in your next life. I mean, you don't get a next life. You just get one. Come on, somebody say, this is the one. Yeah, man is given one life to live and after that to judgment. So you're, you're given one life to live. How many lives? One. If you didn't get it right, you come back as a rabbit? No. The Eastern mysticism, that this is taught. I've heard Christians do. I've, I've seen, they call themselves Christians, but they consult the, they consult the astrology charts and talk about, talk about coming back as a, a, you know, some higher being. Eastern, the transmigration of the soul. Eastern mysticism, Eastern religion, see time is circular. Not a biblical idea. In the beginning, God's, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning. Then, 
there is an end. It's a time frame. When is it? Well, I don't know that it's all that far off. You know, you'll never have this moment again. This moment right here that just left. Well, here's another one. It's leaving now. Here comes it. There it goes. You're only given these brief moments in time. You and I are given a brief moment in time called life. I'm, uh, I, I was in Europe and in Italy and, and in um, Israel. And, you know, we, were going, we went into buildings that were thousands of years old. We stood at the gate of Abraham in the, in the region of Dan. It's called the Abraham's Gate. We stood there. It's, it's 3,000 years old. I mean, you stand there and you look at it and you go, I'm not even a blip. I mean, how long are you going to live? I'm going for 120. I don't know what you're believing for. But I mean, that's nothing. Wow. Your life will one day end. Your spirit, however, will live forever. Come on, somebody say, thank God. Your spirit's eternal. You'll live forever. Where you live is dependent upon who you choose to live for and make a decision for. You must be born again. If you're not born again, then, well, then you, you aren't going to live forever in glory. There's, there is a place called hell. Somebody said, are you one of those hellfire churches? Is there any other kind of real church? I mean, honestly, you got to mention it. you got to talk about it. I think there can be an overemphasis of hell, but mostly in, in, in our Western world, there's an underemphasizing of the fact that there is a place called hell. It's not created for you. No, it's created for hell and his minions. There's this word here, barah in the Hebrew, and it means to create. It's used six times in this chapter alone. It means to create or to transform, create out of nothing. Wow. So God created things out of nothing. We'll, we'll get to another word, tohu wa, tohu wa bohu, is a transliteration of that. It's confused emptiness, says Calvin. But he created, he didn't need material, he can make his own material. So you and I can create things. This building was created. There's blueprints. <laughs> I'm gonna have a minute. Hey Amen. Woo! There's blueprints that now we're standing in. Okay, so this was created. There's an architect or architects in this case, and and plans that came together. I'd, I'd like to put another like a Airbnb. On my, on my property or something, like a little barn dominium. Anybody seen those? You know, we're talking about that. Maybe put that on the front, and then I can put all of America where you store all your stuff, and then you sell it in garage sales. We don't have garage sales. We just keep collecting. Anyway, <laughs> you look for plans. You look for plans, and then you begin to make a material list, and you, you think about the dirt work, and you start... We can create things because we're made in God's image, but we can't create something out of nothing. That's what God does. Come on, he can, come on, he can fix your, your little boys. He can do creative miracle for your little boy, Malachi. I, I, I've said it before, but my mother, 
probably be in the 11 o'clock service. She had one kidney removed when she gave birth to my oldest brother, her firstborn, John. She had kidney failure, and when, they, when the kid, they had to remove one of the kidneys. So to remove the kidney, it only left her with one kidney. I remember growing up, if she got an infection or anything wrong with her kidney, you went straight to the hospital because you only got one. And so it was this tender thing growing up, I remember it. And then after we all got born again, she began to say, well, God's going to give me a new kidney. And she would answer altar calls, and we went to crusades, and she had hands laid on her. She was anointed with oil, but we never really had the opportunity to find out if she actually, actually did get a new kidney. There was one service where she said, God gave me a new kidney. And, and we just never thought about it. Well, not that long ago, she went in for a checkup and discovered that she has two kidneys now. But it was fascinating how it happened. You have one horizontal, one on one side and one on the other. Hers is one over the top. It was just like the Lord saying, just so you know, I, they did take it out and I put the other one on top of the other one. It was, it's like a, it's a double portion on one side. Come on, somebody say God can create a nothing. Okay, so it, doesn't, so it doesn't matter if you don't have it. It doesn't matter if you don't have the money. It doesn't matter if you don't have the intellect. It doesn't matter if you don't have the plan. I mean, you gotta have a plan. God will give you a plan. But if you're, you could be dumb as a box of rocks, you just show up and believe God. He gives you brains. I'm still believing for more of those. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Come on, God can make it out of nothing. The song, I loved it, but it's not right. Nothing from nothing, leave nothing. No, he can make something out of nothing. God's transcendent. He's outside of time. That's what that means. He's, he's not like the deist. It would winds up a clock and lets it go and watches it and looks at it. Oh, that's interesting. Look at the pendulum work. That's, that's, that's not how he is. He's among us. He's actively involved in creation. He's not separate from it. Very different viewpoint. There are deists that say, yes, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth, but he, it's like he did it, he made it, he created it. And then he steps back and he looks at it and watches it sort of work. That is totally not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible does that, creates it, and then it needs some help, but he comes and he helps it, tries to adjust it, and says, oh, they're so messed up, I need to come myself, and he sends a savior to make it right. That's, that's the God of the Bible. It's very different than pagan thought. Look at B. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep. This is these two nouns put together, tohu wa bohu. Let me read this to you from a commentary. As for the earth, it was tohu and bohu. That's to say, the unformed material from which the earth was to be fashioned was in the beginning of its creation in the state tohu and bohu. Formless waste, confused emptiness, as I said, Calvin says. So God created from nothing. See, why is that important? It's totally contrary to everything you hear today. He was saying they're discovering new universes. Okay, well, 
they don't know, uh, but you know, they have the Hubble telescope now. And we live in the Milky Way universe. Galaxy. Milky Way galaxy. You say Milky Way galaxy. 100,000 light years across the Milky Way galaxy. Do you know the Milky Way galaxy is one galaxy between 100 billion and 200 billion galaxies that we currently know about? Current, what do you mean currently know about? They're discovering new ones all the time. So well, what about all those? Is there alien life? If there was going to be alien life, I'd imagine the Lord would have told us there's people that certainly look like them. <laughs> and there's a lot of confusion and distraction. I think a lot of that is a distraction from what the real issues are. And uh, the shooting down of weather balloons, which I was, uh, or spy balloons. And then, of course, I guess it was a $14 balloon sent up by some people in Milwaukee or something that was floating. You heard about that? You didn't hear about that? Uh, apparently although it hasn't been substantiated, there was a balloon that was set up by a, a, a group of, uh, you know, hobbyist ballooners, and it's this $14 balloon that they set off, and it went all across America and up to the northern part of Alaska, and uh, it was shot down by a $200 million missile. <laughs> Father, we pray for America. Lord, you'd help us right now. Now, let me, let me destroy this. This is important. This whole gap theory. How many of you have heard of the gap theory? Okay, the gap theory is wrong for many reasons, um, but my favorite one is this. The, the gap theory says that between verse 1 and 2, there's millions of years. See, but what about, what about the radiocarbon dating and all of that? What about, see, we get a whole group of people that say, well, the, the earth is like 10 million years old, but, but honestly... For me, I've, I've come to settle on exactly what the word says, a young earth model, because we think in terms of our natural mind and how long it takes to make a Grand Canyon. You know, and you could take water and run it over that kind of rock and try to figure out how long it takes to make, make it. How many of you know God can do anything? And there can be cataclysmic activity in the span of a very short period of time to create what we see on the earth now. And, and radiocarbon dating is, is inaccurate because it assumes a numerous things. You can go study it. I'm, I'm gonna lose some of you. I don't wanna do that. The gap theory is an excuse by people who, who try to take science and make, it fit, and make the word of God fit with current science models. And that's a problem. Now, if you really want to get into this, you can give your whole life to studying his creation science. And uh, that, that man that I mentioned, uh, what's his name again? Thank you. Dr. Ham uh, has a whole website. He's dedicated his life to it. But the, the grammar here in the Hebrew structure and the framework of the passage gives itself to, it's not the saying that. The, the gap theory doesn't come from Scripture. It's the idea imposed on scripture to try to match an old world model. But here's, here's my favorite reason it's incorrect. The gap theory would then say that there was all this, this is where Satan came into the earth and destroyed the earth. And then verse two, God brings order to the destruction that Satan had. And then also during that gap period of time, 
is where there's dinosaurs and all kinds of stuff. And the, one of the main problems to me that I like the best argument is this. That can't be true theologically because it says then that there's sin, suffering, and death before the fall of mankind. So there's sin, suffering, and death in this gap period before, before mankind actually falls and, and eats from the knowledge of tree of good and evil. And that's kind of profound because there wasn't. There was a perfect earth. It's not real. That text is, is, is so profound and simple. And so many people say, well, what about all of these fossil? There is no fossil record to say that there's evolution. Talk to any scholar. Talk to scientists. You, you don't have to read this like an idiot. Don't be an idiot at, at any cost. Read it with your mind. Under, worship God with all your heart, with all your, your mind. Use your mind. Read the word. Don't be afraid to dig in and study it out. And don't be afraid to be wrong. I'm glad when the Lord shows me stuff. He's, and he's like, you're incorrect. I'm glad when he does because I don't want to be, I want to be changed. Can somebody say amen? Gap theory. It's completely imposed on Scripture. There's a number of other reasons it's incorrect. And uh, the radio, the, the, the radiocarbon dating and all of that, it, it, it makes three different assumptions that you have to make to get an accurate date. The half-life of, uh, of elements and things like that. Okay, let's move on because you guys look like you're getting bored. In the process of creation, God takes chaos and brings order. He does what? He takes chaos and brings order. He takes darkness and brings light. And that's what he did in you. That's what he did in me. That's what he does. He takes darkness and he turns it around and he brings order. It, Jesus rides on a, on a, on a donkey, a foal of a donkey, it had never been ridden on, and yet it had peace and, 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 and fulfilled Zechariah, the prophecy of Zechariah. God can take you, though you might be a donkey of a man, and he can change you. He can take darkness and, and turn it into light. He can take your confusion and turn it into peace. Can somebody say amen? That's why rebellion is, the, is as the sin of witchcraft. One of the reasons, it fights against any kind of structure, fights against any kind of form. God is the author of peace, not confusion. There are so many that are rebellious against authority, usually because they've been deeply wounded and have trauma. You gotta get healed of that, isn't that right, Dr. Gannon? You don't get healed of trauma. There is a, a righteous, godly authority, and it's, it's found in Scripture, and God is, is like that. He's loving, he's kind, but he's also just. And righteousness and truth of the foundations of his throne. Verse 2, the Spirit of God fluttered over the waters. That Hebrew word fluttered is to hover over. And it's a picture of wind, which reminds me of Acts 2. It's a picture of the wind of the Spirit of God moving and bringing creation. It's a, it's a picture of when the wind of God blows upon your life here at church or at your life group. Or in these life seminars that are happening here in about 15 minutes. That it, that it can bring order and structure to your life. And God said. Everybody say, and God said. There's this picture now paired with this fluttering and God speaking. The Spirit worked through the Word. It's the same way today. 
the Spirit worked through the Word. The Word worked with the Spirit. It's together working to bring about His creation. So beautiful. Five things, five foundational truths to bring home from this text. Number one, God is first and for God is to be first and foremost in your life. In the beginning, God. Would you say that? In the beginning, God. If you don't have God, you basically have no beginning. Now, understand what I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything unbiblical. And if I do say something that sounds unbiblical, that's not what I meant. Your life really begins when you surrender and you give your life to God. He, he must be the center of your life. He must be first. And anything that is not, if, if, you're, if you love God and you, you worship God, if you have something in your life that's more important than him, that would be called an idol. You have something in your life that's more important than God, more important than serving him, more important than his word, more important than being conformed into his image and likeness, more important than that, then that would be an idol. And I've seen it in marriages. I've seen, I've seen husbands make idols out of their, you know, Adam made an idol out of his wife. How do you know that? Because he didn't, he didn't talk to God about it. She ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and all he had to do was said, Lord, can I have another one? Because she messed up. That's all he had to do. <laughs> he, he protected her. He, he made her an idol, really. And it could be that he wasn't co-laboring with her and treating her like she needed to be treated, so she wasn't aware, but there's a lot of argument about all of that. But he made an idol out of his wife. I've seen that in marriages. I've seen, I've seen women make idols out of their husband. Oh, the children, that's a big one. I've seen in certain cultures where the, where the daughters are raised with tremendous um, uh, structure and training and consequences and, and, and just amazing. And the boys are completely ne neglected. And the boys become like, they end up doing nothing. They, they, they end up being broken. I could name the culture. I'm not going to do it. And the, and, the, and the women of that culture just rise. It's not Alaskan native culture. It's another culture in another part of the world. But they, they make an idol out of the boy, and he can do whatever he wants. He ends up being a little, a little brat, a little terrorist. So you can have things in your life that you can have your children can be an idol. Money can be an idol. Anything that's more important to you than God, you have blown it. There's people right now that are made an idol out of their pillow, which I considered doing this morning, but I changed my mind. Came to church, love God with you all. Worship team, come on. Be careful of pantheism. It's the belief that God is everything and everything is God. God is not everything. And everything is not God. And everything is not good. It's all good. No, it isn't. And there's some have suggested that nature is God. It is not. It is, he created it. He is not nature. You say, when I go outside, I can commune. I commune with the nature. Well, you get demonized that way. God talks to me through the trees. No, you can commune with God in nature, but don't say trees are talking to you. There's a special class for that. 
<laughs> Don't fall victim to the lie that we can commune with nature. Don't fall victim to humanism. God replaced by man is a measure of all things. Humanism. Man is not the measure of all things. We can vote on certain things, but how many of you know you can't vote and change gravity today? You can say there's no gravity. I got news for you. Doesn't matter how much you believe that. You get into your 60s, and you're going to realize there's a whole lot of gravity. <laughs> I believe I can fly. No, you can't. <laughs> I believe I can foot. What happened? Well, humanism. Here's one of the beautiful illustration of humanism. Uh, four blind men come into a room, and in the room is an elephant. And they they are sent to the elephant, the certain parts of the elephant. The blind man comes and he puts his hand down and puts his hand on the elephant's midsection. He says, Pat's, he's only allowed to touch it a couple times. It's a wall. He says, that's a wall for sure. Tries to push against us, move, it's a wall. Another blind man comes and is sent to the tail region of the elephant, grabs its tail. So that's a broomstick. Similarly, the other two come and feel and make determinations of what they, they had no idea it was an elephant. That's that's uh, secular humanism. You try to figure things out by what you can see and what you know. You don't know much. I don't either. Our minds are finite. His is infinite. You try to make man in the measure of things. Didn't work out real good for, for France. The French Revolution, they, the reason was their God. Reason. And if man is a measure of things, we'll destroy our nation. That's what's happening now. If you want to be a girl, you can be a girl. You want to be a guy, you can be a guy. If you want to just do this, you can do that. Just... Thanks be to God, there's a people in Alaska that are going to stand for truth. And if you're interested in hearing more about human sexuality, I have a message on there called Tell the Truth. It is a sizzling word. You can find it on YouTube. And uh, we expected that after preaching that, we would get shut down, but we're still on. Thank you, Jesus. If at ever any time you show up and we're not at our regular station hour and time, and you see that there's no channel on YouTube, no nothing broadcasting on Facebook. It's been because we've been taken down. Go to the website, kcalaska.com. We'll be streaming live there. They can't do anything about it currently. Can you say amen? All right, let's, let's conclude this. God is not an optional idea. He's central to your life. And we're dependent on him. We need him every day. Come on, how many of you need him every day? I need him. I need him today. Some have suggested that because God is love and he needs an object of his love and that's you, that he needs you. No, he wants you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. But you don't perpetuate his existence. He's outside of time. We need him. We're dependent on him every day. And living for him, we find purpose and meaning. If you don't learn to live for God, you will, have, you will lack purpose and you won't know what your life is all about.
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going to look at this series. Why? We're going to do it so that we can put some solid foundation stones in your life to help you. Amen. Lord allows me to. On Wednesday, I'll be preaching on on walking in, in a new mantle, walking a new authority, a new anointing as that decree is being I'll be preaching, teaching on that will flow in the Holy Ghost. But coming to you very pastorally here today to tell you, you must understand the first 11 chapters of Genesis. I would, I would suggest you read it. I suggest you read it again. Go through it. Familiarize yourself with it. We'll be looking at it in the weeks to come. And this is a, a powerful word where God creates It's a young earth model that I believe in, and you can go and study that out. God is ever creating by his word and his spirit. Just ask Malachi if he could talk. He would tell you, yes, God gave me a new skull piece or whatever happened there. A new new kidney for my mama. I don't know what you, I don't know what you need, but God can, God can do it. Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Father, thank you for your word. Lamp unto our feet, light upon our path. Holy Spirit, come. Now release, I pray. If you need a creative miracle, right where you are, stand. If you have metal in your body, if any metal in your body you'd like to get rid of it, stand up. Right now. Release creative miracles. Release creative miracles right now. Be healed. Be free. I pray dissolve any metal. Heal bodies. Heal organs. God's touching people's hormones right now. In Jesus' name, heart valves be healed broken bodies and organs be healed for that person that needs kidney receive right now in Jesus name come on no matter what you have need of just just lift your hands and lift your heart and receive right now some of you need a a miracle in your relationships you need a miracle in relationships stand up right now in Jesus name do creative miracles right now turn the hearts bring a, a repairing a healing even as we Made that decree prodigals to come home. Reconciliation and peace. Lord, thank you. Woo. You're not the former creator. You are our creator. You are the creator. You took confused emptiness and you made the earth and you made the sky and the land and the sea. You made us. You said, let there be light and there was light would you stand all across this place as we close and before we do if you're here and you've never given your heart to jesus i want to give you an opportunity to get reconciled to him receive christ as your lord and savior this morning online you say that's me pastor then pray with me right out loud say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. 
And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I ask Holy Spirit now that you would touch and fill every heart. That you would do miracles in the lives of your people. Those that will listen even at a later date. Holy Spirit, come now. Bring living understanding, the power of God. That would fall in love with you. And that each and every one of us would have a firm foundation. So when the wind comes, not if it comes, it's coming. When the wind comes, and the storms of adversity, and the psychological babble, and pop psychology, and all the secular humanism, and all the confusion to try to match the word with science. Science matches the word, and we're not afraid of that. I pray that your people here at King's would know you by your word and the spirit would break out with the foundation of truth bringing revival here as well thank you for what you're doing in Asbury thank you for what you're doing all around the world we give you praise come on put your hands together for God let me bless you Father thank you for what you've done bless your people cause your face to shine upon us lift up your countenance towards us be gracious to us keep us and give us peace in Jesus name Amen Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.